With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Julio Rodriguez, seven-game hitting streak. And it continues right here. Say goodbye in the first pass. Julio Rodriguez with a home run gets the Mariners a one-nothing lead. Well, he was not going to let Montas settle in. He was ready to swing for the time he left the on-deck circle. 2-0 pitch. Runner goes. Great break. Swing on line drive to the gap. That'll get down and everybody runs. Demo will score as he gets the third. Julio will cruise into second with an RBI double. He's driven in both runs and the Mariners have a 2-0 lead. Swing and a well-hit ball deep to left field going to the Western Meadows Supply Company. Goodbye baseball up for deck. The top terrace. Welcome to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardians beat reporter for MLB.com, and the wonderful Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter and everything else under every umbrella ever because she does it all and she's the best at it. Uh, Sarah Langs is with me. Uh, We could not be more excited to be here today. We could not be more thankful and grateful to Mike Petriello and Matt Myers for allowing this awesome expansion to happen and allow us to start to take on one episode a week. I know we're a little delayed this week because of the holiday, but every Monday we're going to be coming back here. And Sarah, I think I speak for both of us when I say we are so beyond stoked for this opportunity. We are just over the moon. I was texting Mandy this morning at 6.45-ish <laughs> in the morning, which is not usually a time I'm up, but I was. And the first thing I thought of was, hey, Mandy, we are recording a podcast today. We're really excited. We have a great show for you guys. We're going to talk about some of the balloting going on at the starters election for the All-Star game right now. We're going to get into NL shortstop, American League third base. We're also going to talk about one of my favorite players right now, Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners. And something we're going to do for you guys every week, we're going to talk about how great Shohei Otani is. And make sure nobody forgets. He's going to be a recurring segment here. And then we'll have some fun at the end talking about what we loved in baseball this week. So can't wait to get started. Oh, my gosh. I think this is going to be so much fun. And I think, like you said, um, we're going to start getting straight into the All-Star stuff. And, I, well, we, we're talking this week, and uh, the the finalist voting is going on. It's going to be at the end of this week. We're doing this today on Wednesday, July 6th. By Friday, we're going to know who these starters are. Um, and a couple of these races are ridiculously close and I think we should probably start with one of the closer ones on the NL side at the short at shortstop with Trey Turner and Dansby Swanson you look at their numbers Sarah how the heck are you supposed to distinguish between these two guys they're almost identical almost identical as of taping OPS just about 20 ish points different 
very similar RBI totals, home run totals. They're both hitting above 300. And if you look at these guys, they're very different kinds of shortstops. Trey Turner is the speed guy. That's what makes him so unique. Dansby Swanson, though, I want to give all the credit in the world for the turnaround he's had this season. He hit 229 and slugged just 407 in his first uh, 35 games of the year. That was through May 15th. Since then, he's hitting above 350, slugging in the 500s, and looking like a player who, like Trey Turner, is heading into a contract year and really proving himself right now. I mean, you see where he stands and how similar they are, but you think, like you sort of just said, how he started to think the rip and tear that he's had to go on to level out the way that he's leveled out to be at the same level and have both of them going toe-to-toe right now is so ridiculously impressive. I mean, I know that, obviously, Atlanta's the reigning champs. You can at least have some eyeballs on him from that. You have L.A. where every eyeball's always on anyway. So you have two of the bigger names. I think it's fun. I mean, you start looking across the league. There's a couple of positions like... Uh, we were talking about the catching uh, catching position, how you have some uh, no-namers coming into it, a little bit more dark horses coming into it. But these guys, I think it's uh, a lot of fun. And I think it's fun the way to have the fans voting the way that they're voting right now, trying to get the finalists to be in there. I think it's fun to have it be sort of like a popularity vote, but it's also allowing the fan to feel like they're part of the experience as well to send their their favorite players, and then if it's just the finalists, the starters, then you can have a player's vote to make sure that it's not just a popularity vote and everyone who should be there will be there. So I do like the way that this is balanced, and I think this is going to be fun to see how it plays out. Definitely, and I love the idea of Trey Turner getting to start in L.A. You know, you mentioned that. That would be a home start. Did you know that the last, I was shocked by this, The last Dodger shortstop to start an all-star team was Bill Russell in 1980. Not that one, not the basketball one, the baseball (laughs) one, but still. And then before that, you got Maury Wells, Pee Wee Reese, and Leo DeRocher. So that would be a really cool group for uh, Trey Turner to join. You know, Corey Seager didn't start an all-star game at shortstop at any point while he was on the Dodgers. So just really cool list. I don't think I realized that. I mean, obviously, now that I see it in front of me, the, all the work that you had put in here, uh, I don't think I realized that Seeker never had started before. Because if you would have told me to guess the last person to do it, that's who I would have guessed. And I would have obviously just assumed that that was him. So for that to be the case, to have a, a, a hometown guy be a starter in front of the hometown crowd, um, I was lucky enough to be able to cover one in Cleveland in 2019 and to be able to see like Carlos Santana be on the all-star team then, have him be in the home run derby. It's really something special. You get to see Shane Bieber be the uh, all-star game MVP. There's something special about having the hometown guy in front of the hometown crowd. So I think that would be sort of fun. Definitely, definitely. I just, I love the all-star game. You know, we'll talk about this more and more, and I'm sure we'll talk about this over the next few weeks as well, since we get this chance to do this every week. But I love the energy with it. And as you were mentioning with the voting, I like this new wrinkle where, you know, there's voting, you get those finalists, and then you're picking the starters. Somehow it feels more scientific to me. I don't know if that's actually true, but that's kind of how it feels. And I feel like we should talk about the third baseman in the American League now. 
And that's one that obviously you have a lot of firsthand experience with because one of the finalists is Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland Guardians. The other is Rafael Devers. They both started All-Star games before Ramirez in 17 and 18 and Devers last year. So it's an interesting breakdown. And another one where these are two guys who both have really, really gaudy numbers. Yeah, and I think it's going to be, it's one that's, you look at it on paper and it's ridiculously close. And if you would have asked me about a month ago, I would have thought that this would have come down to like a foot race. It would have been like decided by a nose of who was going to be this guy. But I think it's going to be tough. I know that there's a huge fan base surrounding Jose Ramirez. It's it's the number one guy in Cleveland. It's a small market. It's difficult to compete with bigger markets like Boston, New York, L.A. I get that. But he does have a huge following behind him. So the popularity might be there. But Honestly, if you're breaking it down by the numbers, it might be tough to justify Jose Ramirez going over Rafael Devers at this point, just because he's not been Jose Ramirez over the last few weeks. Uh, He has some issues with his thumb right now. Uh, They try to say that that's not playing a factor in this at all, but it seems too coincidental that he jams his thumb and now suddenly isn't quite the same guy. It shows how ridiculous of a tear he went on to start the season that he's still leading the AL and RBIs, even though he hasn't had one since like June 25th or something ridiculous like that. Um, So he has he's cooled off a little bit. Endeavors seems to have had a more maybe complete first half to be able to get it. But I I think it's going to be a really, really close vote. As of the moment we're taping. Devers actually leads the majors in hits, which is not something I would have known off the top of my head. I'm staring at his page, and I was shocked to see that. He's up there with total bases and doubles. And, you know, a lot of credit to a guy who I think is really coming into his own. He's always been a really highly touted player. I can remember when he came up in 2017, I was working my previous job worked with at least one huge Red Sox fan who was really, really excited for him. You know, he was 20 years old. He was the great hope for the Red Sox, all of that. And, of course, they had other great young players at the time with Mookie at the time and Sandra Bogarts, but Devers was that power guy. And to take that power and now also be hitting well above 300, I just think that shows the development of the player And we on this podcast are very big fans of fun in baseball. And there are a lot of players who have a lot of fun on the field and off the field in the clubhouse everywhere else. Rafael Devers is one of those guys tied for first on that list. The ice cream cones he sometimes eats after the game. There was a, you know, a moment in Seattle earlier this year where he was eating an ice cream cone talking about the ice cream machine in Seattle there. And, I mean, that is the energy that baseball needs and certainly that the All-Star game needs. What I don't understand, and I sent this to you whenever I was watching the Red Sox in person, how is this guy not more well-known? I mean, it just seems like everything he does is so quiet, and I don't understand. You look at these numbers, you see where he ranks right now across the league, and even you're saying it like it would have surprised you to figure out that or it did surprise you to figure out that he's leading the majors in hits. It's just everything he does is so ridiculously quiet, and I don't know how because he is, like you said, such a fun player. And, I mean, I'm always on board for anyone who wants to incorporate ice cream into baseball. So you already have a fan in me in that regard. But 
I just, it's crazy to me. I sent that to you as soon as I started watching him. as probably two weeks ago now that I was watching them. And I sent to you, how is this guy so under the radar? It's really hard to figure out. I mean, I think he gets his due. But I just think the Red Sox have so many great players to talk about, especially in the entire time he's been there. Mookie Betts was there. Xander Bogarts has been there. J.D. Martinez has been there. So in contrast to Jose Ramirez, he hasn't really had a moment where he was the sole guy, which is where Jose Ramirez has been now that Francisco Lindor was traded. You know, they're Shane Bieber, but I'm kind of separating pitchers and hitters. But I do think that's part of it. I also think, I mean, Rafael Devers is 25 now. And I think in my mind, he will always be that 20-year-old kid. And I don't mean that in a demeaning way. But if you take a look at his page on Baseball Reference, Baseball Smile, pick your website, he just has the biggest smile. Like, he is one of these guys who is so happy to be here playing this game for a living and just exuding that. And I love that so much. I, I, you cannot express that enough because I think that that gets overlooked at times or maybe that players can fall into just a daily routine where this becomes, I don't want to say mundane, but it just becomes everyday life. And it's just not as, oh my gosh, I'm in the big leagues anymore. And so that's why it was so cool to see Carlos Santana a couple years ago get into the all-star game, because here's a guy who's in his thirties and he broke down in tears when he found out that he was going to be an all-star and he couldn't stop smiling and saying it was the greatest thing that's ever happened to him. And so when you have those types of personalities where they're so happy all the time and they're smiling and they love every second that they're out there, How the heck can you not be so excited for that? And maybe subtly or unintentionally, subconsciously, what have you, that's part of how we pick these two races to talk about. Because Dan Swanson and Trey Turner have a different approach to the game, but it's very hard to watch them and not smile. Whether it's Trey with his crazy slides, Dansby with his power, all, both of them having a lot of fun on the field. And the same can be said of Jose Ramirez and Rafael Devers. So I feel like we chose some of the most fun races as well as, you know, some of the most interesting. And we want to remind everybody this voting is going on through 1.59 p.m. Eastern on Friday. Go to MLB.com vote. And you can vote for your starters for the 2022 All-Star Game in Los Angeles. You're looking at these right now. And before we throw it to a quick break, who would have your vote, Sarah Langs? Oh, my gosh. See, this is why I don't vote. I used to vote. (laughs) I'm sure you did, too. We were fans. We were fans in the Internet era. So we were voting. I think if I were to pick right now, I'm sorry to all the Cleveland fans who are following us because of you, but I think I would take Rafael Devers at the moment. I would too. I just, you know, that batting average, that everything he's done. And gosh, I'm still wrestling with this shortstop one. I don't know what I'm about to say here, but I, I think I'm going to go toward the hometown crowd, the idea of having Trey Turner there. I love his speed. I love speed as a tool in the game. So I think I'll go there, but so much respect for Dan Fee's turnaround. 
the shortstop one is going to be so close. I cannot wait to see how that finishes up. And I agree with you. I think Devers is going to be one um, that's hard to argue against moving forward. But with that being said, we can put the all-star voting a little bit behind us. We can start taking a turn looking f- through uh, some exciting stuff that's happened this week. I know Julio Rodriguez was some, the, one of the first things we talked about when we were introduced on this podcast with Mike Petriello and Matt Myers last week. Let's talk about him again. And of course, it's showtime every single week. So we'll get back to that after this quick break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to Ballpark Dimensions with Mandy Bell. That is me. I'm a Guardians beat reporter for MLB.com and the lovely Sarah Langs, researcher and everything else under the sun. I still don't know your title. I'll never know your title because you do it all. So uh, we are back here and we are going to get into one of Sarah's favorite topics. And I know that we're really excited to get into this one because I looked at our, you know, we started prepping for this podcast and we start putting together some stats and things like that and I say we and I mean Sarah because she's the stats queen and all of a sudden whenever we see the Julio section it's about triple the length of uh, everything else that we got going so I knew the excitement was there and uh, Sarah what what about him if you can pick one I feel like there's 12 or 15 things what has made you so excited about Julio Rodriguez so far What has made me so excited is that he is absolutely electric on the field, off the field, the way he interacts with fans, everything he does, and the way he plays the game. So I like to talk a lot about the idea of a power-speed combo. So a guy who, you know, hits for power, runs the bases well, what have you. Julio Rodriguez the other day became the first player in baseball history, which is very old and very long, (laughs) to (laughs) hit at least 15 homers and steal at least 20 bases in his first 81 career games. And I don't like arbitrary numbers, but 81 games is half of his season. He did that in his first half season in the big leagues. 15 homers, 20 stolen bases. That is power and speed right there. And I was curious, what else can we do with those numbers? There's only five guys at the age of 21 or younger who have had that combo. 15 homers, 20 stolen bases in 81 games, so half a season. At any point at that age, 21 or younger. Julio, 
Ronald Acuna Jr., Mike Trout, Andrew Jones, and Cesar Cedeno, who does not get enough credit for a really good young start to his career. So it's just amazing to have him on these lists. And I feel like, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm lecturing about numbers, which I'm sure I will do on here a lot. But you don't need the numbers. You just need to watch him, hear the sound of the ball off his bat, and watch him patrol the outfield. How fun is it when there's a top prospect who's so highly regarded who actually delivers? And I know that there are a couple guys this year. You have Adley Rutschman. You have Bobby Witt Jr. as well. Like, there's there's a handful of maybe the last few years of guys who everyone's been so excited about. You have Wander. You have a whole bunch of different ones. But it's just, it's been so exciting because baseball's gotten so young so quick. And that's how the whole let the kids play slogan has come around. And I it's just become so enjoyable because that's the vibe that we're getting. We go back to what we said about Rafael Devers and how he's just smiling ear to ear with every everything, every photo that you see of him, that's the vibe that you get in these guys' style of play. And I think that's what makes it so fun outside of the numbers. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. You list that off. And as you said, baseball is very old, very, very old. And whenever he's the first to do something, that's pretty impressive now that we're in 2022. So um, the numbers speak for themselves. But to have the vibe of somebody who can bring so much fun to a game where you just sort of there's excitement to watch him play, even if you're not a Mariners fan, even if you're not keeping up with Seattle every day. Um, to see the headlines, I know that whenever I'm covering different teams and I see a quick headline pop up and says, like, Julio Rodriguez does it again, like another home run, another this or that. I'm like, yep, click, let me watch this and see exactly what happened because it's so much fun to watch. It really is. And we're using the word fun so much today. <laughs> And that's because it's what it is, but he's a great guy. And I liked what you said about kind of the vibes and beyond what he does on the field. Because one of the moments that stands out to me from spring training this year was there was a random day where Julio Rodriguez tweeted out, hey, any Mariners fans around today? I think they had a night game in Peoria where their spring training camp is in Arizona. And he was early to the complex. And he basically wandered around the streets there. And that's not Scottsdale. I mean, it's not as built up as kind of downtown Scottsdale area. And he was wandering around with some tickets, some hats, other stuff, tweeting out from his own account. You know, I'm sure PR was involved to an extent, but seeing the way that he interacts with fans, I would believe if that was his idea. And he's posting pictures. Hey, we replaced this guy's hat. You know, someone had a non-Mariner's hat, whatever else. And just having a great time. Someone got a gift card to the team store, all of these other things. And he's just fun. He just makes you want to watch baseball and know baseball. And it's not just on the field. It's to know who these guys are and see how they interact with the world around them. I had no idea about that. How I missed that, I have no idea. But that is now one of my favorite things from this season. That's incredible. I love when players are willing to uh, sort of connect one-on-one as much as they can with their fan base, use their social media platforms to be able to do that. Um, I know a lot of guys who are good at that, but that's incredible to be so young and to be able to jump into that so quickly. Uh, I think that's so much fun. Uh, I mean, I know that we have a bunch in here 
about him. And I know that there's going to be there's going to be an interesting rookie race this year for you have for rookie of the year. I think it's going to be really ridiculously fun to see how I mean we already mentioned the three guys Adley Rutschman Bobby Witt and also Julio Rodriguez I think it's gonna be fun don't forget Jeremy Pena yeah who's also having yeah there's just too much or not enough I don't even know there's so much good (laughs) talent in this game right now I know that I, as soon as I found out that I was going to be doing, uh, having an MVP vote this year, I started to get nervous. I'm like, oh boy, let me, let me make sure that I'm, I'm keeping an eye on every single person. I know that there's some, so much that comes with this. And I know there's, it's, there's a lot of difficulty that goes into ranking 10 guys in order of their ability. But I think I would even be more nervous for the rookie vote this season by the way that this is trending, because when you look at the stats that you have here about Julio, it seems like it would make sense that he could eventually run away with it. But then you start looking at everyone else and they're all right there with them. They really are. I mean, I think if he continues on the trajectory he's on, it seems like it'll be him, but you just never know. I mean, Pena having a great year, came back off the injured list recently luckily was fine in that collision with Jordan Alvarez speaking of MVP hopefuls and of course Bobby Witt Jr. I mean one thing these guys have in common except for Pena is that they got off to slightly slower starts we talked about that with Mike and Matt last week and now you wouldn't even know it I mean Adley Rutschman is really really fun to watch and he's guiding a pitching staff That's a whole other thing that, you know, has to factor in in some way. But Julio is just an electric player. Really, really fun to watch. I always want to encourage people to stay up late and watch baseball because it's what I do. And certainly stay up late, watch games in Seattle. And I think that's actually a good way to get into our next topic. Another guy you should be staying up late to watch, Shohei Otani. So I mentioned this at the top. We're going to talk about Shohei Otani every week because everyone in the world, not just baseball world, in the world, should be talking about Shohei Otani every day. And we get to talk to you once a week, so we will be doing this. And the great hook and the reason we're talking to you about him this week is because he just celebrated his birthday on Tuesday. Another thing you will learn about us I am a big birthday person. I love birthdays, not just mine, everybody's. And Mike Petriello of our lovely podcast had a great tweet on Shohei's birthday yesterday. So as of Otani's 28th birthday, he had a 138 OPS plus, 111 home runs, a 531 slugging percentage. Sounds good. And then you realize he also had 257 and two-thirds innings pitch with a 328 ERA, 11.3 K per nine, and seven plus war as a pitcher. I mean, this guy is just insane. I think it's funny because I, I did a Google search just of Shohei Otani. I'm just curious what pops up whenever you search his name. And... You start to see a couple tweets that are all side by side of just maybe some people who have some followings, maybe some verified counts, popular tweets about him. And they start populating on Google. And one was saying, like, 
wow, he's, you look at his slugging percentage, look at him uh, across the league, and he's in top 12 in slugging percentage since this date in June, and you look at his OPS, and he's unbelievable, and then the tweet beside it is like, is this guy going to be like a contender for the Cy Young this year? And I'm thinking, what on earth are we watching right now? What are we able to witness? Because how can those two tweets be about the same person? Because nobody witnesses this. We have not had anything like this. I know that there's been two-way players before. I know that there's been guys who have converted into being pitchers. I know I'm covering one currently right now in Anthony Ghost. Um, but you think back to like Babe Ruth of what this is. And when you're going back that deep to a name like that and you try to like allow it to sink in of you're witnessing that type of player and someone who's going to mean that much in baseball history a hundred years down the road. It's so cool to think that we're able to just flip on a game any night we want to and watch him play on any given day. You know, I remember when he first came to the majors in 2018. I remember when he signed. I distinctly remember texting my mom, oh, the Angels got him remember exactly where I was standing just because that's how my brain works. And in my previous job, my job was to contextualize. So I remember looking up guys to have this many homers, this many strikeouts, all those kinds of things. Basically, what are the Babe Ruth lists that we will be putting him on? In my mind, the moment we surpassed Babe Ruth, was the moment in Shohei Otani's first pitching start of the year last year when he hit a ball about 115 miles an hour for like a 451-foot home run in the bottom of the first inning after hitting 100 miles an hour on the gun in the top of the first. It was Sunday at baseball. I was sitting right where I am right now talking to you. I screamed. I don't know if the neighbors reacted. I was told, hey, watch it. I don't even know. That was the moment when we stopped needing to compare to Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth was a really helpful measuring stick, and I'm not knocking Babe Ruth. Anyone who follows me on Twitter, has seen me talk, read my work, knows that I have the utmost appreciation for the history of the game. But Babe Ruth was not hitting a ball 450 feet or 475 feet. He wasn't hitting a ball 115 miles an hour. He definitely wasn't throwing a pitch 100 miles an hour. No, nobody was. So it's not his fault. But Shohei Otani is just entirely in a class of his own. And what a great chance to celebrate him on his birthday. I know we're a day past it now. But our colleague Andrew Simon wrote a really fun story on MLB.com. Eight gifts that Shohei Otani has given baseball. And it's basically just going through all of these stats, all of these firsts, these things that he has done, his great pitches, his splitter, all of that. So he is just a joy for this game. I know as soon as I was able to go out to L.A. this year to be able to see him in person and I found out that he was going to be pitching in one of the games that I was there, I texted you immediately and said, I get to watch Otani today. Like, it was just, it's it was a surreal experience. I had never gotten to see him in play in person, and I think that everybody should sort of have that same response. Like, because it's just like, what what do we get to 
to see here. Like, you never know what's going to happen. You don't know if he's going to go strike out 15 batters and then go hit a home run. You have no idea what's going to happen. And so to see that level of talent is so impressive. To think of how he could go from being the MVP last year to possibly being a Cy Young candidate this year. I mean, it's it's really really incredible to be able to watch him it's one of my favorite parts about baseball it he should be everyone's favorite part about baseball um it's hard to believe you have him and mike trout on the same team i know we talked about this last week you have them on the same team and they're having struggling records year after year it makes absolutely no sense but don't let that aspect take away from the greatness that is Shohei Otani because baseball's different. You can't have like a LeBron James effect, a Michael Jordan effect where you can just dominate the court and just take over as one being. I know they all have guys that they can turn to lean on also have you know have guys for assists and you can do different things they were all there as a team but you can be more dominant as an individual in other sports than you can be in baseball and so that should not overshadow the greatness that is Otani because he is really something special and the way we consume baseball is so different the way we consume all sports compared to even 10 years ago for us growing up as fans or even longer ago you can enjoy a Shohei Otani homer tuning in on MLB.tv, seeing a tweet from MLB or from the Angels. You don't need to look at the score on the score bug. You, that part almost, it does matter for the team, for the franchise, and for the idea of succeeding. But for you as a fan, you can look and see that and be in awe no matter what. And I think that's just a great part of the internet age and the way that all sports and everything is consumed these days. You can watch a reel, you can watch a clip, you can share that, and you can be in complete awe of what's going on, regardless of the broader context. You know, and I encourage anyone who is interested in a West Coast player but can't stay up late, wake up in the morning, go check out a game store on the MLB app, go check out some clips on Twitter or something, you know, however you can engage with the game that works for you is going to up your happiness levels, your serotonin levels significantly. <laughs> now, it seems like Otani is probably our favorite part about baseball, but don't let that fool you either. We love a thousand things about baseball and every single week we are constantly texting each other every fun thing that we see on the field, off the field, wherever it may be regarding to baseball and this is why I think it's important for us to be able to you know be able to talk about our favorite parts of baseball and so maybe we take a quick break right now and when we come back we can talk about what we loved about baseball this past week. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardians beat reporter for MLB.com, and Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. And we're getting into why we loved baseball this week. Now, this is going to be a reoccurring segment, just like us talking about Shohei Otani and his greatness. We want to discuss what we loved in the game this week, whether it be on the field, off the field, wherever we saw it. 
Uh, we text about this stuff constantly, but not this segment. We are not going to discuss this segment. We want to make sure that when we're coming to this podcast, we're bringing in our favorite thing without the other person knowing. I know we're saying that the odds are probably low that we bring the same thing, but I really think it's going to happen sooner rather than <laughs> later because we have very similar tastes. But, Sarah, I'll give you the honors of your favorite thing from the past week in Major League Baseball. So, one of my favorite things, it's impossible to pick one. I had a list. I narrowed it down. It's great. I feel like we should share what the others were. Or honestly, if you check either of our Twitter accounts, you'll probably know what the runners-up were. And I will say, the odds are Mandy and I will have sent each other the Mm -hmm. thing, but I'm never going to say, hey, this is my thing. But I'm not going to refrain from sending Mandy something really cool. So, to get into mine, if you're not familiar, Edwin Diaz, who's the closer on the Mets, his brother is also in the majors this year. His younger brother, Alexis Diaz, made the Reds out of spring training and has been pitching. He's injured right now, but the teams met in the series this week, and for the first game of the series, the Diaz brothers headed out to exchange the lineup cards. And I feel like this is one of those sort of ceremonial moments you get in baseball that really just brings a moment together. We saw something similar with the Contreras brothers, William and Wilson, on the Braves and Cubs earlier this year. But the Diaz brothers got to exchange lineup cards when the Reds played the Mets, when the Mets got to Cincinnati, And the quotes that came out of just their interaction were so wholesome. So if you take a look at the great story that Anthony DiComo, who covers the Mets for us, and Mark Sheldon, who covers the Reds for us, co-wrote together on MLB.com, the subhead right at the top there says, we're really, really tight, Edwin says, a brother Alexis, we do everything together. And already I'm like, oh my goodness, Mm -hmm. this is amazing. Mm -hmm. So I think my favorite quote from the entire story and just from their interactions was this one from Alexis Diaz, the younger brother. We FaceTime each other every night after every outing that we do. If not, he can't, if he can't find me, he'll text me and say, dang, I was nasty. Then I'll go check the highlights, and I'm like, yup, you were definitely nasty. And I just, I mean, this is amazing, you know? It's so wholesome. Right? It's just, it's the mess. So that is my moment. Mandy, what do you have? Okay, well, that one's a pretty darn good one, and I think that's, I love families in baseball. I think it's so fun. I love all of those interactions. Um... If there's anything I love more than that, though, it's anytime kids are involved in anything. Um, I'm that's my weakness. Children are my weakness, and I think it's so fun to get them interacting with players. And Joey Votto did just that. I know we're digging back into last week now. It's probably Friday at this point, but it's hanging on. It's topping the week still. We're not that full week yet. Um, he's on the road. He's talking to a fan and. The front row, right by the on-deck circle, a Cubs fan. Now, remember, he's not on the Cubs, and he's swinging an uh, opposing fan over to be his fan now, just chatting him up. 
and then he hits a home run. And when he crosses the plate, the Cubs fan, the little boy, is cheering for him. And it's just like that type of stuff is so cute. He goes over, he high fives him, whatever. And you know the impact that he just made on that kid in that moment. I mean, it's showing that kid that, one, you don't have to just be so hyper-focused on your favorite team. You can sit there and be like, I respect this guy, I like this guy, he's awesome. I love baseball in general and not just I love this team. And I think that that type of moment is what grows the game. It's those types of interactions that really, really help get fans younger ages just in love with the game of baseball and that was just so stinking cool because you see the kid's face as he's walking away like not only was that just a cool moment it looked like that was him high-fiving his friend who just did something cool on the little league field and it was like those two had that bond and I loved that moment I've watched the clip like eight trillion times in the last week absolutely adorable and you're so right I mean that is what grows the game. And I think it's so important to have people who aren't just fans of teams. Being a fan of a team is important. That's how all of us started and got to where we are. But being a fan of the game and understanding how these players sort of fit within the fabric of society and just sports in general, I think is really important. And Joey Votto is such a fun ambassador for that. You know, when I saw that moment, I was thinking about how a couple weeks ago, he did a TikTok dance with someone at a Diamondbacks game. You know, know. the Reds were playing in Arizona, and he did, I think it's called The Gritty. I'm too old to understand. Don't and, worry, uh, No, but Joey Votto is older than both of us, <laughs> and he gets it, so he's younger at heart. So maybe we're just not cool enough. <laughs> I think that's probably it. That that's might be probably. it. <laughs> I know. And I think that stuff's so incredible. And I think that we're going to find so much content throughout these weeks that we are going to be able to share. And it doesn't have to just live in our conversation, Sarah. We can talk about it and yes. allow other people to see how excited we are about these moments. Yes. Thank you so much to everyone for joining us today. This was absolutely a blast for us. And we hope you enjoyed. We hope you're nodding along. We hope you learned something. And just remembered or thought about how much you love this wonderful game. I couldn't have said it better. So that'll do it for this week's podcast. Don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions at all, leave us a review and a rating. Thanks for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. See you next week.